Good morning, everybody. Nice to see you all. Um, someone's told me, uh, Jenny, it's your birthday today, is that right? Happy birthday. Hope you're having a nice day so far. <laughs> Not, I'm not going to sing, no. <laughs> birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Jenny. Happy birthday to you. That's a very bizarre start to a sermon. Um, thank you for Jenny. Thank you for um, doing what you um, did this morning, and thank you for everything that you said. Um, it was interesting because. I was thinking about the same sort of theme as I was um, driving along, um, I don't know what day it was now, when th- 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 Thursday or Friday, I think it was, um, and it was beautiful, glorious weather, wasn't it, th- Thursday and Friday, and I was driving down the A30, I had a meeting in Lifton, anyone know where Lifton is? Nearly in Cornwall, nearly in Cornwall, um, and before, as I was driving down the road, um, obviously when it's clear, you can see loads of planes, and this has nothing to do with what I'm speaking about today, um, <laughs> And you, you can see loads of planes going around when, it, when it's really clear like that, can't you? And um, as I was driving along the A30, two planes had already gone, gone, gone over, and they made the exact representation of, of the cross. And so, you know, so I was sort of going along the road, and it was still there in view. Everywhere I was going, it was, it was there in view. And as I was going a bit further along the road, there was, two, there was another two planes. And one was going, you had the cross in the middle, and one plane was going that way, and one plane was going that way. And it really made me think, you know, what are we doing... Not, not as great parts, but as a, as a church, about, you know, people are in, this, in our world, in society, aren't they? They're going away from the cross all the time. You know, that's, you, know, I, I, you know, I was going along the road, and I was going in all different directions. Maybe, you know, I don't live my life always as I should, but the cross is still there in view. Does that make sense? And, you know, but other people on the plane hadn't, were oblivious to the cross being there. It really made me think that people are walking around today or wherever, completely oblivious to, to Jesus Christ, who he is. Some people may not even know who he is, don't even know the, know the name. And it just really made me think, of, you know, how, how do we, as individuals, as a church, maybe realign people to, to, to think and be pointed to the cross? And it was sort of on that theme as well from what Jenny was saying. But, yeah, nothing to do with what I'm speaking about. just uh, really made me think as I was uh, driving along on a glorious, glorious day. And then... You're sort of off on a Saturday, and it's not very nice weather, but, but God gives us everything that we need. <clears throat> okay, yeah, so we need to point people to the throne of grace. This sort of comes on to what I'm speaking about. So we're talking about the throne of God today. And um, I often like to be given passages. So most often I'm, I'm given a passage in, 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 you know, in, in the um, Bible teaching plan. And so today I'm sort of filling in, does that make sense? Filling in, um, and so I, 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 had, I had free range <laughs> to uh, choose what I wanted, and I've been looking at Revelation, and um, we're going to look at Revelation chapter four, and I, so I read it, and then thought, yeah, that'd be really nice, really good chapter to speak on, and then I started studying it, and I thought, well, <laughs> um, a bit more complicated than I than I thought. Um, so we're going, yeah, we're going to look at um, the throne of God, Revelation chapter four. Um, so many people have, have debated this book over probably many, many years. Um, and, you know, we're never going to understand everything, are we? We're never going to understand everything about God's word until we are in glory and, we, and it all makes sense. 
Um, but what really matters is how we, how we apply that to our lives. How maybe, maybe God is speaking to you in different ways this morning through this passage. But it's, it's, it's about how we grow closer to him. Closer to him as a church, but most importantly, closer to him as individuals. So we're not going to know everything before Jesus returns. So this is a revelation given um, to John, um, the unveiling or revelation of Jesus Christ, um, truth about him and his victory. Um, so up until this point um, in chapter 4, we've seen um, a vision of the glory in this, in this book. We've seen a vision of the glorified Christ. We've seen the apostles um, commissioned to write a letter. And we've, and we've seen in, in, in uh, chapters, I think, 2 and 3, um, letters to the churches. Um, so now to this point, we come to both maybe this chapter and the, and the next one, if you want to read chapter 5 when you get home. It's about that, that, that theme of worship, about God's throne. Um, so since we, we find the word throne or thrones 13 times in this chapter alone and 46 times in the book of Revelation, it's no surprise that the key is about God's throne. Um, so much about what Satan wants to do is, is to attempt to take the throne himself. That's all, all, what's all Satan wants. He wants to, to be God. He wants to be in God's position. But what, as we go through this passage this morning... Some of it may, may, you may, you may not understand it. There's lots to delve in, in, uh, deep into this passage. But what is really fundamental to remember is that God is on the throne and he is in complete control. Okay? So God is in control. He is in complete control. So Psalm, Psalm 103 says this, The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. So we're going to look at um, four points uh, this morning. All, all around the throne of God. So on the throne, around the throne, out of the throne, and before the throne. And then summarizing that on what is our response to that this morning. What does it mean to me? What does it mean to you? How do you apply that to your lives? Okay? So we're going to look at um, yeah, Revelation chapter 4, and we'll read that together. Okay, starting at verse 1. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what what must take place after this. At once, I was in, in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby. A rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the centre around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second like an ox, the third like a face of a man, the fourth like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night they never stopped, stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, 
who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honour and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have maybe the whole story, but in some ways not the whole story, that um, we haven't all been taken to glory yet. But we thank you, Lord, that we can have it here this morning to, to read, to, to try and understand. Help us to, to maybe get a, a, a fresh glimpse of you this morning. Maybe it's just a, a, a little bit from this passage, but help us, Lord, to, to really, yeah, really worship you in, in what your word says this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so, so the first point we're going to look at is on the throne. Look, if you've got your Bibles in front of you, that'd be great. Um, so we're looking at verses 1 to 3, um, also on the screen. Um, so it says, says this, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. And at once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there was the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like emerald uh, encircled the throne. Okay, so John says, Before, a th- Behold, a throne set um, in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Okay, so there's, there's other passages in the Bible which, which talk about this. So Isaiah chapter 6 says, I saw the Lord high and lo- high, on a high and lofty throne. Psalm 47 adds, God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. So what, is to, what you need to remember this morning is this, the, the throne was already there. God is on the throne, but John sees it for the first time. So the, the throne represents the universal sovereignty and rulership of God. I'm probably going to be saying some big words this morning, so I apologize. Um, but yeah, God is sovereign. He is overall. He is in control of all things. So we're not in control. Our government is trying to be in control, but certainly, um, certainly isn't. I'm not going to say anything more. Um, world leaders aren't in control. Our God, almighty God, is sovereign and in control. He is on the throne. Again, another psalm says this, the Lord is in his holy temple. The, Lord, the Lord's throne is in heaven. So this is the throne of God. God the Father, and Jesus sits at his right hand. John then goes on to say, one seated on the throne looked like jasper and sardine stone. It says ruby here. Um, so in Exodus 28, um, we, we look back at um, the priests and, and, and what they wore. Um, so so there, were, there were garments given to, the, to Aaron and his sons to, to minister in the temple as priests. Um, and they had the, the breastplate, the ephod, the robe, the tunic, the, tu- uh, the turban. And so these, these two stones were the first two stones, the first and last of 12 stones mentioned in, in the breastplate that the, the priests wore. So the jasper stone represents majesty, holiness, purity. 
the blood um, red, um, blood red sardine stone represents wrath and judgment. So in, but we also see in this passage that there's a description of a rainbow that's another color. It's, it's emerald. An emerald, uh, it, it looked like em- emerald, surrounding the throne. Again, a, a reminder, a reminder of, of God's covenant to Noah, of his faithfulness, that, his, that it stands for the mercy of God. So we put all these things together and we can see a vision of, of God's purity, of God's majesty, of God's splendor, his glory, his mercy, his, his faithfulness. Isn't that amazing? I think these, these, these are some words that we could probably really, um, you could do, I think you probably, could probably do many sermons on just one, one of these words. But maybe it's something that we, we can really wake up in the morning and think, whatever the weather, whether we're feeling low maybe or, or anything else, that God is in control. He is pure. He, we think of the majesty of God, the splendor of God, his mercy, his faithfulness. Isn't that amazing? So we see the purity and justice of, of God, and there is no God like, like our God. He is in complete control. He, God, is on the throne. Okay, so we'll look at, we're going to move on. But in, in all these points, I'm, I'm, we, could, we could delve a lot deeper, but I've just, we're just sort of scratching the surface this morning. Um, around the throne. So looking at, at first um, verse 4. So verse 4 says, Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. So as I said before, there's been much debate around Revelation um, and much debate around the, the 24 elders. Um, but certainly from what I've sort of been studying and reading this week, they probably symbolize the people of God in heaven, enthroned and rewarded. So since there were 12 tribes of Israel and 12 apostles, perhaps the number of 24 symbolizes the completion of God's people the completion of God's people worshipping in heaven. Therefore, the 24 elders represents the church. So you and I. So one day we'll be with God in glory, worshipping our majesty, our sovereign God forever. The white raiment is the righteousness of Christ. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5 says this, God made him who had no sin for us, no sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of of Christ. In, in him, we become the righteousness of Christ. Crowns of gold indicates the church will rule with Christ, but also they're given as rewards. Uh, 2 Timothy 4 says this, now there is a stone for me, uh, sorry, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will re- award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. The MacArthur Study Bible describes it this way. Here the elders represent the church. They are the overcomers who have their crowns and live in a place prepared for them where they have gone to be with Jesus. And we know that Jesus promised to go, prepare a place for each of us. And he's still preparing. Isn't that amazing? Um, so they are representatives of the whole church, which one day in glory will praise and worship in the presence of God. So heaven is a, is a place where God is, 
Hell is a place where God isn't. I know where I'd rather be. In a place where God is worshipping him. Uh, Verses 6 to 8 talks about four living creatures. Again, um, around the throne. So this is all all on the theme of surrounding the throne. Verses 6 to 8. Also in front of the throne were, um, there was what looked like a, a, a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in, the, in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second like an ox, the third had a face like a man, and the fourth was a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had wings and was covered with eyes all over, even under its wings. Day and night, they never, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Okay, so what we know about these, these four living creatures is they're, they're all covered in eyes. They all um, have six wings. But what's interesting to note is that the correlation in, in Scripture um, so no, no scripture ever contradicts itself. But it's interesting to note that the, the living creatures point to Christ as described in all the, all the four Gospels. So the lion, the first one, represents the Lord Jesus Christ as king described in Matthew's Gospel. So he was born a king, he lived a king, he died a king, king of kings and lord of lords that is, and he was raised a king and is coming again as king and lord. So Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, the Magi said, where is the one who was born the king of the Jews? So he is king. He is on the throne, as we've said already. He is in complete control. So the the second animal, the the, uh, creature, as it says, is the ox. This is the beast of burden, the servant animal. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus Christ is represented as the servant. Mark chapter 10 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus Christ gave his life for each one of us. The man, or what appeared to be the the face of a man, represents Jesus Christ as the Son of Man. It is his humanity that is emphasised. So Luke chapter 5, verse 24, the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then the eagle. Um, eagle, yeah, the flying eagle. This represents, represents the deity of Christ as seen in John's gospel. So we see everything about who Jesus is. He is, he is king, he is lord of lords. We see his, his deity, we see his humanity. And we see how perfect he was, that he has authority to, for, to forgive sins. So we see everything who, of who Jesus is. Then looking at, um, going to move on to the next section. Sorry, I'm going through this very fast. Um, verse 5, um, this is out of the throne, so coming from the throne. So, so far we've looked at... Um, on the throne, we've looked at around the throne, and this next bit is really around out of the throne or coming, coming from the throne. Um, so verse 5, um, 
From the throne come flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne were seven, um, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. So John sees flashes and, and of lightning, rumblings of thunder from the throne. And so these are indications of the coming storm, a reminder of God's awesome power and strength. But certainly a reminder of God's judgment. So it's repeated in times of judgment in Revelation. So we look at uh, Revelation chapter 8 says, um, Then the angel took a, a censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings and flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Revelation chapter 11. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within his temple was seen the Ark of the Covenant. And there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a severe hailstorm. So we talk about about God being in control and on his throne. But his throne is also prepared for judgment. Psalm 9 says this, The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. The Wearsby Commentary um, says this. It says, Our world does not like to think of God as a God of judgment. They prefer to look at the rainbow around the throne and ignore the, the, the lightning, the thunder out of the throne. He certainly is a God of grace, but his grace reigns through righteousness. This, is, this was clear at the cross where God manifested both his love for sinners and his wrath for sin. So that we know that we are saved by grace, but we have to make that choice be saved to take up what Jesus is offering for each one of us but God is a God of of judgment and justice so looking now at really before the throne um, verse 6 I recommend you going home and and having a read through this because we really are scratching the surface and I'm going very fast through it um, so I don't, yeah. Um, so before the throne, verse six, uh, and in front of the throne there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the centre, around the th- yeah, in, um, yeah, clear as crystal. Uh, sorry, it's verse five and six, isn't it? So yeah, verse five continues. There, um, there were seven spirits of God. Or, um, also in front of the throne were what looked like a sea of glass clear as crystal. Okay, so before the throne there were seven blazing lamps and what looked like a sea of glass. The seven blazing lamps represents the Holy Spirit in, it, in, its, in its fullness, in its majesty. There is only one spirit, as we know there's Father, Son and Holy Spirit. So the seven most, it, it re- represents the, the perfection, the completeness of the Holy Spirit. So it represents the Holy Spirit in, in his fullness. And the next bit, the, the, what, what looked like a sea of glass, I must admit, has taken me a lot of reading. This one verse um, has taken me quite a few hours to, um, to think about and to, to read into it. And obviously what, what we read is, is very much man's interpretation. But we pray that the commentaries that we do read and the, and the things that God reveals to us is, is that, is, is what God reveals to each one of us 
as we, learn, as we grow closer to him. So we see it, it says about a, a sea of glass in front of the throne. Um, but what the Greek says, as it says in this passage, that there wasn't a sea of glass. It says, as it were, a sea of glass. So really what John's saying is he, he saw something that is beyond what he can describe. So he can relate it to maybe what he knows about on earth, but it was certainly beyond what he could describe it to be. And so he said it is as it were a sea of glass. So we don't know what that is. Um, and hope one day we will know, hopefully know more than what we do now. Um, but as it were a sea of glass. So the sea of glass in front of the throne reflects the qualities of God's throne. So it is, it is a throne room that is holy. It's pure, it's glorious, it's eternal. So there's a number of thoughts on this. Um, and certainly what I say now certainly doesn't reflect the, what you can read on this um, one, one verse. But the clear light crystal before the throne may represent the need for cleansing before approaching God. And the beauty of the crystal sea suggests the magnificence and the preciousness of God's throne. So the clear light crystal represents the magnificence what, what an amazing thing we have to, to see and worship when you worship the almighty God. But what a throne room, isn't that amazing? We, it suggests the magnificence and the preciousness of God's throne. So I've you know, probably read this chapter many times um, throughout my life, but some things just, I suppose maybe God reveals things to you in, in, in different times in your life. Um, and that's the amazingness of, is that a word, amazingness? Um, of God's word, isn't it? That it is so appropriate to where we are in our particular lives at that time. So like Jenny was saying this morning, you know, we need to be faithful in reading his word and learning. But God, it's only God that knows us. Well, God knows us better than ourselves. Um, and, you know, he reveals things to us at, at specific times in our lives where, you know, it, it is important for us to, to, to understand and grasp those things. Maybe it's different for each one of us. But we see the magnificence and the preciousness of God's throne. So, look, so really, we've looked very, very briefly at different things about God's throne, about who, that God is on, on the throne in complete control. We've seen what comes from the throne, what is surrounding the throne. Um, and so... Really, what is our response this morning? Well, basically, what it says towards the end of the passage is to fall down in worship, isn't it? You know, we come here every, well, most of us are here every Sunday morning, and, but what is amazing that we can worship God wherever we are. So we see the, the awesomeness, the, the, the amazing throne of God, that God is in control, that we see this, what, what is what God has around the throne in worship, in, in everything that he has designed perfectly. And we see a world that is certainly not perfect, um, but a throne room and a, a God who, and, and Jesus Christ who has never sinned. But our response really, definitely, is to fall down before him in worship. So verses 9 to 11 um, says this as a reminder. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honour and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever. 
The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honour and power. So people try and think of a God who is our, I don't know how you say it, but our mate or our friend. But we need to hold God in, in the position that he is. He is God Almighty. He is sovereign and in control of all things. It's Jesus Christ that is that link between Almighty God and what we, have, and what we do as sinners. But it really dawned on me as I was reading that passage that, at this time just a minute ago, um, certainly nothing I've, I've written down. It's always dangerous for me when I say things that aren't written down. But um, they lay their crowns before the throne. Isn't that you know, something that we need to do? You may, maybe, like I said at the start, you know, Satan wants to be in control, but maybe sometimes we want to be in control of our, our own lives. And where does that get us? Not very far. I'm sure we've all, we've all tried, tried it. But we need to lay our crowns, lay everything before him in worship. Because he is worthy of, of all our worship to receive glory, honour and power. For he created all things. And by his will they were created and have their being. So really, every, everything about God's throne, well, maybe not everything. We, we don't know everything, do we? But there's certain things about God's throne that are described in this passage, that, that God is on the throne. We've talked about things that um, come from the throne, that surround the throne, that are in front of the throne. So what have we learned this morning? Maybe that's something for you to, to think about. Maybe you want to go away and, and read, it, read it a bit more and um, try and understand uh, what the passage has for each one of us. But we've, we've looked at words like God reigns, he is holy, majesty, purity, wrath, judgment, mercy, splendor, glory, power, strength, magnificence, preciousness. So, so as my sort of a final question this morning, where are you with God this morning? Is God in control of your life? Or is someone else or something, something else in control of your life? Is Christ Lord of your life? So as I was saying this morning, we, as Christians, you know, we are sinful. So you know, when, I, when, I, when, we saw, when I saw the cross um, on you know, in, in what, the, what the planes had made in the sky... You know, I was turning in the road a bit, and the cross was over that way, and then it was over that way. But it's still there in view, isn't it? You know, what we don't want is to be going the opposite direction, and, the thro- and the, we're completely oblivious to the throne and can't even see it. So we think of the cross. You know, we, we need to keep the cross in our minds. Keep it as our focus. We have an, an amazing God who... And it does roll off the tongue, doesn't it? He is in control of all things, but he is. He is almighty God. 
created all things. And our response is to give him the glory and honor that's so due to his name. So we, yes, we know he's in control of all things. So when we go out tomorrow or, or we leave the church this morning, you know, it is my prayer for each of us to, to really maybe grasp that, um, grasp that, that we have a God who is a, is a loving God, is a merciful God, but also we see a picture of judgment, of wrath. But thankfully, so thankfully, we have a crown of righteousness isn't it amazing? A crown of righteousness because what Jesus did on the cross. So let's, as we leave this morning, really think about that. Think about the cross. Think about the throne of God. And keep it in your minds. Keep it in your, in your vision as you go through different challenges of life, different things we have to do at home and, and distractions of life. You know, we, we read time and time again, don't we? So I'm, going, I'm really going off, off um, my words now. But um, we read time and time again, don't we, that, that life is getting busier. And do you feel that? Do you feel life is just getting busier and busier and busier? And sometimes we just, just need to, um, well, we need to stop, don't we, sometimes? We need to take a step back and think, well, you know, what is, a, what is my priority in life? What is, you know, and, and bring up children is certainly, you know, a God-given priority, isn't it? But, you know, where, where are we? You know, have we got our minds set on and our view set on the cross and the throne of God and in the hope that we have in the future? What amazing hope we have in the future. Something I um, text um, Margaret Moggridge about this morning when she um, told me about her sister. What amazing hope that we have in the future to worship God around his holy throne and that picture of, of God's throne this morning. Sorry, so I'm just going on and on now. So <laughs> I will stop. Um, but yeah, yeah, go, go away and have, have, a, have a bit of a think about this passage. But it really is scratching the surface. And some things maybe, what I said this morning, maybe you don't agree with or are wrong. But in some ways it's for us to, to really grow in our faith this morning from what we can understand from that passage about his majesty, his splendor. Um, and we're not going to know everything before he returns. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the time that we had to, to worship you, to, to think, to stop, to reflect, to have a, a, maybe a, a time of quiet that we can just sit and, and not talk, but just to take, take you in and, and to uh, uh, grow in our, in our faith. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can look at this one aspect of, of revelation. Um, and we know, Lord, that well, you know that, that so many things about your word that we don't understand or confuses us. And, uh, but we thank you, Lord, that, as we've said this morning, that you are in complete control. And we think of, of words like magnificence, of, of preciousness, purity, majesty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Amen.